Thank you so much, Michelle. And uh, yes, it was easy to continue that. Actually, it was easier when I was First Lady. I found out something that when you get a title like First Lady, people let you have a microphone and they don't care what you talk about. And so I used that shamelessly. And um, but I continued the same the same kind of work that I did before. And also during that time, I did tend to stick my neck out a little bit on particularly on early childhood issues and some issues around family and those people started giving me giraffes and I have this whole collection of giraffes and, and some things to say thank you for sticking your neck out for families and children so as my husband was winding down his time as governor and I was thinking about how was I going to continue this I thought well I'd always wanted to start a foundation and someone suggested a friend of mine actually from Kenya that I started that I named the foundation the Twiga Foundation because Twiga is giraffe in Swahili and it just, Twiga was different, you know, people want to make it into an acronym, which I'm sure there is one for it, I just haven't quite figured out what it's going to be. But the other reason is, is because Vincent said to me there's a tradition in parts of Africa, because the giraffe has the largest heart of any land mammal, which makes sense to get that blood up to the brain. And he said, so there's a tradition in a business meeting in parts of Africa that you always bring in the symbol of a giraffe with you to remember to bring your heart in with your head when you're making business decisions. And it just seemed to fit with what we wanted to do as we were moving forward about family consciousness in the in home, in the workplace, and in the community. And it's really about a family consciousness, not just being family friendly, but being really aware of who your workers are and that they're all a part of a family. And that family might be two dogs and or three cats or mom, dad, five kids, and grandma, and great aunt Sally. I mean, your families are all kinds of different things. So it's about that consciousness and being knowing more about your employees. So I, I, I was, I'm lucky, I guess, because why this is my life's work, I don't know. I just can't let it go. And I, and through the time when my husband was in, the reason I started in 88 and then started the other foundation in 2005, because in that time he was a mayor and a governor and a senator and he kept me kind of busy trying to raise the kids, moving around and having a hard time just to settle in. But once he, once the kids grew up and kind of left home as they kind of do, they do and then they come back and you know they're not that far away, but uh, I had a chance to really start focusing on what was my life's work and now it is my work life and that's also what I wish for everybody is that their work life and their life's work can be the same and that you can really be doing what your where your heart is and your head too so so in the 88 in 88 when we first started this conversation there was some conversation about it and they were interested and again we were looking at um, early childhood issues, some child care issues, but we quickly found that that wasn't the issue. It was much bigger than that. That was just one of the issues that we needed to address. And so here we are now, and I am so lucky because I am working with some of the top researchers in the country or in the world, from the Family and Work Institute in New York, with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, with the uh, Georgetown Law Clinic, and now we have started, we're also working with Boston Center on Aging and Work on a project. So we, we come together to really make this whole message stick and really get it out there. Yesterday morning I was in St. Paul, Minnesota in an event similar to this. After hearing from Best Buy, and they're the ones who threw out the clock, and um, instigated the, the results only, it's all about results environment, we were introduced to another flexible concept. This concept is very green, very enlightened, very much open to working differently. It's called FUSE, F-U-S-E flexible user shared environment. 
Picture a light-filled space with various types of workstation, desks and countertops and easy chairs, private conference room, private offices, a docking station and a phone at each station, and storage for your work when you're there. And this is at General Mills. Their new approach to embracing the possibilities of working differently. Some, think of it, some days are filled with meetings. You have a desk, but you never sit down at your desk. So their concept is there's this wonderful room, and, and in fact, from the pictures, it looked a little bit like this, where you had um, just docking stations, and you came in with your computer, and you, and you put it on the docking station, and you put a code in the phone, and all of a sudden, that phone was yours. You owned it. Your name was on the caller ID. If somebody called, that phone rang. If you moved to another station and did the same thing, that would happen, too. What they were doing is really trying to make best use of the time and the space that they have. Letting people have that flexibility, but still giving them the tools they needed to get the job done. This was just, this was after a whole list of things that General Mills and Best Buy were sharing it in Minnesota at a similar, as I said, to a similar event. But I think the key to what they were sharing was that they said, we've gotten to the point where there's no stigma with this. We're just creating new ideas all the time. The idea that workplace flexibility is somehow an accommodation or something, it doesn't even occur to us. This is the way we do work, and it's working, and it's really great. Both presentations pointed out what people value most, control over their time. As an employer, okay, whatever, whenever, as long as the work gets done, we want results. As an employee, choice drives every result. Just give me the tools and the opportunity to get the job done, and I'll get it done. That's what we're working towards. And even though the conversations that we hear right now with the economy are pretty bleak, what I've heard in, out there in the communities is that creativity abounds. And I've, we've been crisscrossing. I go from Seattle to Florida. I was in New Hampshire last week, then on my way to Minnesota. And it was kind of crazy that we ended up in New Hampshire and Minnesota in February. I can think of better places to be in February. Um, but then I got to come to San Francisco. I spoke in Michigan a few weeks ago, where the concept of recession has been a part of their world for years. But you didn't hear anything negative going on in those conversations. Part of it was, well, where else are we going to go? We got to go up. We got to think positively. We got to come up with great new ideas. They have initiated the next great companies project, and the governor has asked every department to create their own flexibility program and to, to meet the needs of that. And then the other thing they did is they put together a statewide training program for managers on how to manage with flexibility. So they took it seriously, and they really are making it work. Through the project with Boston College, we have surveyed 27 states and are also in the process of 10 state on-site visits. And that was one of the other reasons we were in New Hampshire, where we sat down with 30 of their HR administrators within the state, talked to them about flexibility and what were they doing in order to keep the older worker. As you know, the um, and New Hampshire itself has a much higher degree of older workers than, na than nationally. But in the public sector, there is also a much higher number of older workers who could retire. Um, we don't know that they will. Some of them won't be able to. But they, we know, too, that if many would like to stay if they could work differently. And so we were looking at states and figuring out what they're doing. New Hampshire's doing some pretty amazing things. They had the answers. We thought we were going to go in and try to tell them something. They're already talking about it. And they're doing a statewide household survey from the family perspective on what they really want. So it's really happening out there. In Washington, D.C., the Georgetown Law Center has championed a policy initiative supporting the development of a consensus-based policy solutions on workplace flexibility that meet the needs of both employees and employers. 
For the past five years, this project, which is called Workplace Flexibility 2010, has been working to spur meaningful bipartisan dialogue on how public policy can support the creation of more flexible workplaces. Workplaces that allow businesses to flourish while providing employees with flexibility they need to balance work and life responsibilities. We have formed a Senate study group. So we have a Republican senator and a Democratic senator who supported this group. We talked to the staff. Now the thing that's really hard in Washington, D.C. is they say, okay, what policy are you talking about? We're, saying, We're not talking about any one policy. We're talking in general. We want you at the table. My job, my, and as a Republican, is to keep the Republicans engaged at this table because that's one of the things that we have found. We want bipartisan, but it's not always possible to get them in. So last week also we met in a listening session with a senator. We had our U.S. senator from Idaho who sat down with businesses. And KPMG, by the way, was one of our lead speakers. Uh, John Hale from um, Boise does a fabulous job on this topic. He, they have won the Sloan Award several times, and they've won it all over, all over the country. But he really gave that message to the senator, too. We're not talking about this as a new program. This is a way for business to thrive. This is a way to do business. So there is movement afoot. Workplace flexibility is not going away, and it really embraces the possible. In one of our workshops, it was last June, we were introduced to a futurist. His name is Bob Johansson, and he's author of a book called um, Get There Early. He says, flexing is necessary to be able to respond without a script, to be able to keep your balance and direction even when there's no order around you, which is what it has felt like a little bit lately. He uses the word flexing in a way to describe workplace flexibility, but also the relationships and the networking within the organization and this global economy. Creating an environment or culture of flexibility makes it much easier to keep your direction in tough times. Whether the tough times is an economic meltdown or tough times is you know, a bad fire in the kitchen in the office, in, in your building, or every or four people decided to have babies at the same time and they're all I mean there's different things that will come at business that you have to be able to be resilient enough to work with he also emphasizes that organizations must be flexibly firm flexible but guided by a firm understanding of their own beliefs value and responsibilities workplace flexibility does not fit all one size does not fit all flexibility means a lot of different things and maybe these are uncertain times. And the economic climate has changed dramatically since we initiated this focus and we're talking about tight labor markets and how workplace flexibility was really key in keeping the best people because they'd moved to the, to the next place and we wouldn't be able to find somebody to replace them. But the message and the data more than ever seems to resonate that workplace flexibility is an important tool still for recruitment, engagement, and retention of human talent. The research also shows us that if in these tough times, even with your top talent, if you don't show that you care for them, when it gets better and the opportunities open up out there, they're going to move to the next company because they're going to they're see you as how you treated them when times were tough, not so much when times were good. So that, that's really important. Well, all this began with, in about 1994 with a basic research by Alfred P. Sloan Foundation on working families and the stages of their lives that really revealed a profound mismatch between the needs and the priorities of working families and how work is organized into full-time and full-year arrangements. After years of this research, it was found that a significant percentage of the workforce wanted more flexibility at work. 
they set out to discover how flexibility was being voluntarily used by employers of all sizes in the public sector and the national policy implications and the generational implications and then the impact on the bottom line. So the project here today, When Work Works, was created by the Families and Work Institute in New York in partnership with the Institute for a Competitive Workforce at the U.S. Chamber, the Twigga Foundation, and using the National Study of Employers and the National Study of the Changing Workforce as a standard indicator of change. It was created to raise awareness of the importance of workplace flexibility as an essential business component of an effective workplace to employers and employees nationally and locally, to create change by increasing the number of employers who use workplace flexibility as a business strategy, to engage people in action by identifying local champions who will be catalysts for change in their communities, to create a sustainable grassroots involvement in the issue. So with the help of chambers, community host organizations across the country, we have grown in the past years to over 30 communities, three state initiatives, and an at-large category for the application of the Alfred P. Sloan Award for Business Excellence and Workplace Flexibility. In 2008, we had over 600 applicants and 230 winners with 60 honorable mentions, some of which we're going to hear from today. And clearly, workplace flexibility was a focus for both employers and employees in all fields and all industries in 2009. This morning, when we recognize those in the Bay Area, we're also going to encourage each of you, even if you're just curious about workplace flexibility, to apply for the award in 2009. The application for the Sloan Award is simply an online survey, and I'm going to say this, and I want everybody to agree with me, I hope I'm not, that it takes less than an hour to complete, right? Fast, thank you. I, I say that out here, and then, but have I ever filled it out and tried to do it? No. So I'm <laughs> glad that's good. There. Um, but it's the, filling out the survey itself can be a lesson in flexibility. It's how to implement and solutions found in other organizations. And I do have a couple uh, copies of the first few pages of the application if you just want to look at it so you can kind of get a feel for what it is. Um, and, and I have some up here, so afterwards if you want to see it, you can have some of those copies. And right now, the 2009 period is open. And even if you're not sure that you would win, it's really w wonderful to apply for because of what you learn. One of the main things about this survey that makes it different from others is it consists of two rounds. In round one, the, em the employer fills out the survey and sends it in. And then they're compared to the national studies. And if they hit a certain threshold, they're asked to come back and go into round two. And round two is asking your employees to fill out a survey. Because one of the things we know, it's very easy to say you have a lot of things, but always easy to communicate that back to your employees. And what we ask the questions of the employees, a lot about the stigma and the jeopardy around flexibility. If you use these policies or practices, does it impact the way you're reviewed in your job? Does it impact your advancement? Do you see that? And if it doesn't, those are the winners of the workplace flexibility uh, workplace Flexibility Award. They, they're in the top 20% of businesses across the country using workplace flexibility. But the other thing it does is it gathers data, data that then Family Work Institute can use to see what really is happening in flexibility. And we use that in creating the National Study of Employers and the National Study of the Employee Workplace. So having that data is really essential. The other thing that happens is you anyone who completes the application is receives a customized benchmarking report. Now, if you've paid for benchmarking reports or asked somebody to come in and study your company, you know that that can ca cost thousands of dollars. We had to figure out a way. What can we give back to you for just taking the opportunity to find out about this? So this is a blind comparison 
that will give you information about how flexibility is being utilized as a business strategy, both in your community, by the winners of the Sloan Award, and then those organizations in the national study. So even if you don't pass round one, if you just fill out the application, even if you don't win, you will receive this benchmarking uh, report, which will help you then make decisions on whether you want to do and how you want to move forward. So when we started this work, and over the last four years of recognition, we have found that there are many, many organizations using flexibility in practice, some informal, some formal. Most have said, well, I've been doing this for years. I never thought it was something I should get an award for. Or I do this because I didn't want to lose my bookkeeper. She'd been with me for 15 years. And when she decided she didn't want to work full time, I couldn't lose her. So I had to figure out a way to keep her. So there, there are reasons why, but it's been out there, and it's been working. Um, the opportunity to recognize these innovators is changing the perception of flexibility, though, from a perk for employees, something we do. And I did have that uh, HR person said that to me about a month, I guess about six weeks ago. She goes, oh, we do flexibility if somebody earns it. Well, after we had a few conversations and she started looking at the gas prices kind of at that time, she started thinking about it in a different way. She ended up actually sponsoring the, the um meeting with the U.S. Senator because she changed enough and got some of the other VPs in the businesses to change to say, we really need to pay attention to this. So the opportunity to, to recognize this has really changed that from a perk to a business strategy. And then one of the things that has helped us lately, Callie Yost, who is the owner of Work Plus Life Fit, and many of you have probably read her research, she um, co-sponsored a study of 100 chief financial officers. And if the CFO doesn't want it to happen, very often it doesn't happen because they can look at the numbers and say this doesn't fit. But when they asked the CFO at companies with 5,000 employees or more across the country, and the initial response was similar, it's a great perk, but why would we, nice, a nice thing to do, but why do we want to do this? When they started looking at it and started learning more about some of the winners, they started thinking that maybe this was a possibility. And, and to Yost's um, point, perception, she said part of it was because change only happens when there's either a compelling vision, which many of the companies we've talked about have, or there's overwhelming pain. And when we've been in overwhelming pain lately, or if a company is in overwhelming pain, they start thinking about things differently. But that's also an opportunity. So f we're finding that workplace flexibility is a strategic tool with a positive a positive effect on the bottom line truly is there because it works to controlling and reducing costs, working better and smarter, providing better customer service across time zones. Many of us are global organizations, helping all employees manage their life better to be better on the job, which we believe in the, and the studies are just coming out really does equate to better lower health care costs and um, better productivity on the job, managing talent, retaining top performers, and also the environments of environmental sustainability, the, the green issues and the um, energy savings, the gas savings. The, the gas uh, situation was actually one of the best things that ever happened to us because all of a sudden people were thinking, maybe we could telework. Maybe that wouldn't be it. Well, let's try it. And what we found, Arizona was the state that tried this a while ago, and they said, we're going to just let some of our people work from home and see what happens. What happened was more productivity. So they did it for maybe reasons that were forcing them. They continued it because it really worked. Sometimes that's what it takes, and if that's what it takes, okay. But it's not just about time and place. Flexibility, yes, is about scheduling full-time hours and flex time and compressed weeks. It's about uh, amount of time working, part-time year, part year. It, but it's also about where the work gets done. But it's also about just a culture of flexibility. Um, that it's 
it's being ready and being resilient as an organization, being part of that that creates this culture of flexibility, not only within your workplace, but within the whole um, workforce. There's another book that you will, I'm going to show you a copy of it, but it's downloadable. It's called um, 2008 Bold New Ideas, and this is online on whenworkworks.org, which is also where you can apply for the award. This is a story and tells the story and the results, the, the scoring of all of the winners in 2007. There will be another one for 2008. And there are five characteristics that show up in this book in winners of the Sloan Award. Five characteristics that we see happen in these companies. The first one is trust. That in, this, in these companies, someone's not just looking over your shoulder all the time. And, and the metrics have affirmed it. The employee survey at Deloitte found that employees with access to flexibility scored 32% higher in commitment than those who don't have access to flexibility. And a survey at the AstraZeneca found that commitment scores were 28% higher for those who say they have flexibility than those without it. The second is teamwork. And one of the examples of that that was amazed me, there's a, one of the winners down in Long Beach, California, which is the other place in California we have the Sloan Award. It's, an it's a power plant. They have a, almost 100 employees. I started talking to the manager of this plant, and he was the biggest champion I talked to in a long time. He says, I have flexibility to release my employees to do their job. So actually, I have almost 100 CEOs. They take lunch when they want. They work when they want. They know their own schedules. They plan their own schedules. And I said, but you know, what about turnover? He says, I don't have turnover. Turnover is not a problem. When I, something needs to get done, they know their job, they get it done. He says, I could not run my business without workplace flexibility because they all worked as a team. 67% of employees report high levels of job satisfaction in organizations with high levels of workplace flexibility versus 23% in others. The other one is employees first. We have often thought that, well, the traditional sort of um, old school, as we were talking yesterday, is about the customer first. We always have to put the customer first. What we really have found that taking care of your employees is the best way and the only way to really take care of your customers because who, who are the people who take care of your customers? Enterprise rental car train managers to pay attention to the employee's personal issues and believe this contributed to a 13% increase in retention in their organization. And they've also won the Sloan Award across the country. Number four is time for renewal. Whether it's from sabbaticals, which some organizations have, to just giving Fridays off in the summer, to changing your sick leave and um, vacation leave to a PTO so you can choose when you take time. Anything that gives that employee really that time for renewal. The employee survey at Bristol Myers Squibb found that employees with flexible work arrangements scored 30% lower in feeling stressed and burned out. And 57% of employees exhibit high levels of mental health in organizations with medium or high levels of workplace flexibility versus 17% with low levels. It's real, folks. It really does make the difference both from um, the health and the mental health and physical health. The fifth one is a dual-centric employee. We've taught, we think about hiring people who love to work and we want that person who's just ready to come in and work. But what we've really found, and through the National Studying of the Changing Work, that a dual or what we call family-centric employee, somebody who is focused not just on work but also on their family and on their community, have significantly better mental health, greater satisfaction in their lives, and higher levels of job satisfaction than those are work-centric. A study of top 100 male and 100 female executives 
at 10 multinational companies finds that dual-centric executives, which is 32% of, of all executive men and women alike, rank, rate themselves as more successful at work, are less stressed, and have an easier time managing their work and personal responsibilities. Women executives who are dual-centrics have also higher advanced or have advanced to higher levels. So we really are looking at that. If you look at what uh, Deloitte is doing right now, and they've added their mass career customization for all 40,000 employees, they're working to make that work for them. But Sharon Allen, who is their chairman of the board, is also focused on what she calls an ethics issue and looks at it that if you're not making good decisions at home, how am I sure you're making good decisions at work? I want somebody who knows how to make good decisions in both places and sees that as, as the kind of person that they want to hire. Workplace flexibility is part of a culture of the workplace in organizations. During these times, finding low-cost or no-cost ways to ensure employee engagement is paramount to maintain an effective workplace. It is more than time and place. It is a key strategy of an agile and resilient organization. But it is up to us as the entrepreneurs, the employers, and the employees to be innovative and visionary about how we respond. Workplace flexibility is a style of management that can fit your organization, your industry, and enhance the success and productivity of the employer and the employee. But remember what Bob Johansson said, be guided by a firm understanding of your organization's own beliefs, values, and responsibilities. So I encourage you to check out the survey online at work, whenworkworks.org, find the at-large category, go on the list, um, apply for this, for this award, learn more about flexibility, and I'd look forward to maybe seeing you here again next year. Thank you so very much.